0: Hello and welcome to the London School of Theology podcast. You are listening to our weekly chapel service. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Reverend Alison Atkinson. London School of Theology. Forming disciples, resourcing churches, impacting society. What an amazing passage, as we've already had illustrated to us. I love those random members of the public that you managed to find in northwood um it was great and uh, i loved the answers that they gave when you asked them what humility was so there was the lady that said humility was to do with being humble and I mean don't we often do that in our essays when you asked to define something you just kind of use the same word again and you wonder then why your tutors kind of put a little mark against it. I anyway, mean, Humility is to do with being humble, to do with caring and being understanding and empathetic. Um, somebody else said I think this was a theologian in the cafe said that he uh, it was to do with recognizing that other people have value um, it's to do with listening and learning and being open to God and others and so relating their humility to being not just a quality that we have in ourselves but to do with how we relate to others listening well Um, recognizing the value (coughs) excuse me that other people have and then the other theologian that you found in the corridor there Gavin Calver whom many of us know very well um, used in fact quoted Philippians 2 when you asked him what what, uh, humility was when he said it was to do with not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought maybe that's not Philippians 2 that's somewhere else as well Um, but realising that uh, other people are of worth and that we are of great worth as children of God, but also not elevating ourselves more highly than we ought. And he used an interesting phrase, which I wrote down. I'm sure it was him. Don't just sing the song, but live it. Well, good stuff. This term we have been looking in chapel at the theme, the overall theme throughout all of our sermons so far of becoming like Christ. And uh, you might have wondered why it took us so long to get to Philippians 2. But it's one of those passages which actually tells us in so many words, be like Christ in those certain places. But let me remind you of some of the things we've already heard in chapel over the last month way back uh, at the end of september in fresher's week mark preached from ephesians chapter 4 about truth and integrity and maintaining unity and he said uh, a wonderful phrase which I find really quite challenging talked about unity being a thing that God gives us God gives us grace and we need to maintain it the grace of unity it's not necessarily something that we spend all our time striving for but we recognize that we have it then we can maintain it uh, in the Lord and that's quite interesting isn't it talk when we think as well about uh, recognizing the value of other people Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that this is someone else that I am united with. This is someone else that God supremely values and I need to treat them accordingly. Then on the 4th of October, we had Bishop, we did have a Bishop then, Bishop Lusa Nsenga Ngoi, who's the Bishop of Wilsdon. I must admit, for the last term or so, I've been mi- mixing up Wilsdon and Woolwich. I mean, I know they're very different places in London, but you know... Two bishops coming, places starting with W have slightly got confused in my head. But anyway, Bishop Lusa preached actually from Philippians chapter 3, chapter after where we are now, and talked, I think, really helpfully about um, becoming like Christ is less to do with how we perform and the things that we do and more to do with our character To know Christ, he said, is not a tool for self discovery or self help. Pick up that theme in a moment. And then on the 11th of September, David, our academic dean, preached from Ephesians chapter 5 on becoming or growing the fruit of the light. He talked about discipline, not merely being self-denial, but discipline leading us, uh, leading to joy. Because as we come to love the things that God loves, that was under the heading of find out what pleases the Lord. And uh, having that sort of discipline in our lives that Jesus had. And then understanding the Lord's will and talked a bit about critiquing society as we understand what God says. And then finished with keep on being filled with the Spirit from that chapter. And a quote from you, David, the beginning and end of all theology is worship. That's a quote that is worth remembering. Becoming like Christ involves worship. It involves working out what the will of God is. It involves becoming disciplined to trying to think God's thoughts and we can't of course do that without being full of the spirit because it's the spirit that thinks God's thoughts in us and teaches us God's ways and worship is indeed the beginning and the end of those processes and then last week Chris Steed preached to us from Colossians chapter 3 and talked about being dressed in a new wardrobe the things of God put on Christ so we're talking about becoming like Christ Chris was talking about putting on Christ and uh, becoming like Christ in several different ways as he mentioned both theological and to do with our practice and to do with our character and he ended with um, an interesting thought that I personally wished he'd had a bit more time to unpack, but I'm sure that it's this is kind of thing that he's unpacking with all of you theology and counselling students in class. Do we, are we supposed to die to self or are we supposed to be true to ourselves? And the spirit of the age, the modern creed, to quote Chris, uh, desire, uh, deserves some examination in the way that David had told us that we needed to do the previous week. We need to question the assumptions of our society that say self-being all, self-actualization and self-realization and being, you know, be true to your true self. Is that the spirit of the age? And how like Christ is that? And then we turn to Philippians 2. Be completely Humble and gentle. In humility, value others above yourselves. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who, being in very nature God, did not consider his position, equality with God, a thing to be held onto, to be grasped, a thing to be used to his own advantage, the NIV says. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, humbling himself even to the cross. What a challenge. So, my sermon is entitled The Way Up is Down. And I have to cite my reference straight away in order to avoid the sin of plagiarism and tell you that that's a phrase from my wonderful husband who uh, has preached a sermon many years ago entitled This from this same passage The Way Up is down. Jesus humbled himself even to the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. You want to go up? You need to go down. The way up is down. Now, arguably, we might be seeing that illustrated well in UK politics right now. I did say arguably, yeah. Um, actually, David, when you preached, you quoted our esteemed then Prime Minister, or maybe not esteemed, anyway, then Prime Minister, Liz Truss, who was going for growth, growth, growth. And you very sensibly reinterpreted that and saying the growth, growth, growth that we needed was, should be spiritual growth, and not financial growth. But it seemed that, that the agenda of trussonomics, as it came to be called, was, was growing the country's GDP at all costs. And that's our primary agenda, and it's the first thing we need is is, is Economic growth. I'm not sure that they ever really managed to define what growth was. I don't think I ever particularly understood what they were going on about, but then I'm not sure I really understand economics anyway. In fact, I definitely don't understand economics. But growth, growth, growth was the, um, <laughs> the theme, the aim, and how quickly that went wrong. Our... New Prime Minister, as I think he now is, as of supposed, I don't know, I think it was going to be about an hour or so ago, he was going to turn up at the palace and be invited to form a government, and he's probably already made a speech from Downing Street by now. Our new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, yesterday in a speech said that his new government Would be one that was would be characterised by humility and integrity. Well, we'll see. (laughs) It's a good aim, though, isn't it? And I've already seen political commentators saying that he was deliberately taking a swipe at his two immediate predecessors. That Liz Truss. Apparently, having suffered the area of humility and the least said about her predecessor, the better. You didn't expect me to be apolitical, did you really? <laughs> humility and integrity. And it says to me, I'm, I, I've thought all through the... <laughs> I was going to say the truss era. I mean, it wasn't long enough to be an era, was it? But all through the truss era, what growth, growth, growth. How on earth can that be a good agenda for a country? How can it be right? It is absolutely not sustainable or supportable by anybody with Christian principles because our own... Values tell us that anything that we do, any position that we're in, should not be, and should certainly not have as its first um, goal, economic prosperity. Absolutely shouldn't. If we're going to be like Christ, riches should not be our first aim notwithstanding that verse that you read to us Bella that uh, 2 Corinthians 8 9 we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich you might want to spend some time wondering what Paul meant by that What does it mean that you, through his poverty, become rich? What kind of riches are we talking about here? Jesus became poor so that we could be rich. I have heard that interpreted along the lines of um, worldly wealth, monetary prosperity. I reject that interpretation. And I believe that we who seek to be Christ-like and want to become like Christ cannot be those that have worldly riches as our first priority. And I believe, therefore, that as LST students who are here, whatever you go on to do, whatever you feel God's calling you to, and I hope that you do go to something that God has called you to, and you're seeking God's direction and his call, and that your first priority is not to go out from here and say, how can I get the job that makes me the most money? I suspect that's already not your agenda, because if it was, you'd have probably gone somewhere else and started studying business studies or some other... Study um, some other subject rather than theology. But do not go out from here and look for a job that gives you the biggest status and the most amount of money because in the kingdom of God we do not work for money and we do not work for status. We work to please the Lord. Our call to church leadership is a call to service. Indeed, if that is part of your call. Our call to be witnesses to the gospel is a call to service and the way to any greatness whatever riches may mean in that second corinthians verse the way up is down we serve a savior who washed the feet of his disciples and in that act said if i your lord and master fully aware of his own status by the way if i your lord and master have done this for you then you need to do this for each other um, i have wondered whether to give you a bit of personal testimony in this talk um and i know the value of testimony uh was really great to hear kennedy's testimony last week by the way and uh, i thank you for that and please do bring more testimonies to us of ways in which god has worked in your life and so while I, I was very tempted not to i will say a couple of things one is that having been for since my 20s and i'm a few several decades on from that now along with My wonderful husband that I mentioned earlier, who many of you know because uh, if you're new to LST, you won't know him. He retired as a faculty member here um, just about a year ago now. But together, we have felt called by God to have various positions in leading God's church and in teaching God's people for... A number of decades now, and we, and, and that has involved us changing tack, changing careers, um, changing the particular jobs that we were in a number of times throughout our lives. And it so happens, if we look back on every single change God has asked us to make, every single time, I think without exception, Lord forgive me for forgotten one, but every single time that's involved quite a major cut in salary. Us both. We started off. We met when we were both studying medicine in Edinburgh University. That's where we met as medical students. So many people meet their spouses at university, and some of you are doing that or have done that here. And uh, we met when we were both studying medicine, and we were both set for careers in medicine, and quite quickly in fact actually before we got married God started to call us to church leadership and uh, we began as junior doctors and after a year of William working as a junior doctor God called him to go to Bible college that involved him giving up a career in medicine by continuing on in medicine. But as well as funding our general life and everything else, I was paying for his Bible college studies. And some of you have done a similar thing. You've given up good careers. And maybe your wife or husband is funding you through this time where you're following God's call on your life. Be blessed in that. It's worth it. It's worth it. And um, following that, William went into... Pentecostal ministry. We were in a large church in London, and I was working in various capacities in medicine as well. And eventually, felt called to come out of that and to study theology myself, and then to uh, go into ministry. And there was a few changes along the way, and and actually there was a better-paid job for William at one point in there. And then God said, "Give that up and come back into local church ministry." And then God said, give that up and come over to LST, which at the time was quite a significant step of faith, as we did. And I just want to testify that every single time where God called us to take some major step of faith or change in direction, the faithfulness of God was absolutely apparent. And what the call was, and we were absolutely aware of it at the time, the call was to a degree of sacrifice and of knowledge that we wouldn't have the things that we had previously had. And I can also say with absolute truth that we never ever suffered because of that. In fact, sometimes when we were Look, I, t- I tell you I'm rubbish at economics. I'm also terrible at budgeting, but fortunately William isn't and is, has got his hand on family finances and his finger on exactly how much everything costs to the penny. But we used to say, well, if we need to, we'll sell this or that, or we can do without this. I don't think we ever, ever had to do that. I don't know where the money came from. I don't know why we didn't have to sell the things, but we never did. Until a bit later when we sold them for other reasons. God is faithful when you work not for what you can get out of it in worldly terms, but you work to follow the call of the Lord. One other little example. I talked about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And again, I wondered whether to tell you this because it's, it's kind of one of my successes, I think. It's one of the times in my life, maybe it's, it's the best time that I remember, that where I, th- I think I succeeded in a degree of humility. But I will confess to you that I only succeeded in the degree of humility because of the absolute Unhumble. What's the opposite of humble? Arrogant. I don't, know. I don't know. Whatever the opposite of humble is, the absolute sinful thought that occurred to me in the middle of this episode—that fortunately I never expressed out loud—but do you ever get this time where you know you think something and then the Holy Spirit goes, uh, and you, oh Lord. How could I ever have thought that? I'm so sorry. That happened to me in the middle of this episode. So this was in the church that I used to lead before I came here to LST a number of years ago. And um, the church at the time ran a very successful parent and toddler group um, once a week. We had a really good team of ladies that were running this toddler group. But we realised we also had a, a, a... cohort of people there there was a, a nearby um sort of shelter for homeless teenagers really and we we lived next door to we lived next the church building was next door to a um place where homeless families were Um, put up for short times and so we started to have relationships with some homeless people and and this homeless teenager shelter as well somewhere else in the town we started to have relationships with and we kept saying to the uh, the the increasing numbers of pregnant young teenagers that were in this shelter look we've got a parent and toddler group come along to it even before you've had your baby get to know people we can help you with this and that and and they would come once or sometimes twice and then they'd say to us we don't fit in there so nobody talks to us people don't like us we feel rejected sorry it's just not us and we just thought we need to do something else so we started with this lovely group of women that we had running the toddler group, we thought we'll do something else. And we picked another day of the week and we started this group that we called a parent support group. And we thought we want to give them some input. And uh, we invited them to come and we said we, we had all the toys out as, as we used did in the other group and uh, we made them tea. And they sat around and chatted and we sat and chatted to them and then we thought we would love to be able to give them a bit of input and, you know, give them some parenting tips because we were all, ha-ha, expert parents, you know, knew all about all of this and what they should or shouldn't do. And uh, this was our plan. And on one day of this group, probably two, three weeks after it had begun, I was due to be doing the, you know, how to be a good parent slot that we were planning that was not really ever going terrifically well in this group, I have to admit. But I was going to try this again and do it. And at the time, I found myself sitting on the floor, playing with some babies, as you do, while their mothers and some of their fathers were sitting on the chairs around about absolutely ignoring me so I was sitting playing with the babies and trying to get their attention and trying to talk to them about I don't know you know how to get your child to go to sleep at night or something and they were absolutely ignoring me now someone else on my team had said a couple of weeks before I really can't handle this they don't respect us they don't like us and I can't handle this I'm not going to carry on doing this anymore and we'd said that's fine don't worry you go we've got enough people left on the team and we'll we'll carry on so there was this sort of feeling of of lack of respect and things and I'm and and I'm sitting on the floor I'm literally at their feet and I'm trying to get their attention and they are not looking at me at all and here's where the thought came into my head I said to myself do they not know who I am And immediately, instead of seeing myself sitting at their feet, I saw Jesus sitting with a towel and a basin and the water and washing the feet of those that did not know who he was. Really. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. This is exactly where I need to be. And I gave up being the wonderful person that was going to tell them all how to parent their children. And we started loving them. And we started making relationships and enjoying them. And that group, I have to tell you, became, I think, one of the best things that we did in that church. And I would love to tell you, they all suddenly came to the Lord and knelt down and gave glory to God and gave their lives to Jesus. They didn't, but we served them and we served them well and we helped them, we did, to get good relationships with their children. And the, the, the stereotypes that one hears, especially if you read much media um, of, of you know teenage parents, we realized needed to be binned and we loved these people and they loved their children and we loved their children and we shared the love of God with each other. The way down, oh sorry, the way up is down. And the way I gained respect from those teenagers was by sitting at their feet, playing with their babies and helping them to get some self-worth and some... Uh, Time to chat together with a cup of tea. It's worth it. In our relationships with each other, because that may not be a relevant um, example for you, but in our relationships with each other, Paul tells us here, be united. We've heard that before in our series. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Make sure you've got your ambitions in the right place. You want to serve Jesus and not to gain either status or money or any of those other things for yourself. In humility, value others above yourselves. How's that going to work out in our LST community here? if we all managed that better than we do right now, how different would our relationships look? How different would our attitudes to some of those that rub us up the wrong way be? How transformed might our community be? Lord, help us. Forgive me if these thoughts were too disjointed and haven't hung together in the way that they ought. But thank you for the challenge to put the interests of others higher up our priorities. For the challenge to indeed critique some of the messages the world gives us for the challenge to pursue humility and integrity. And on that note, Lord, I would pray for our new prime minister. I thank you for that aim, for that aspiration to lead a government of humility and integrity. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would help him to do that. That's a very significant challenge ahead for him. And we pray for him as he takes on that role and ask you, please, to guide him and help him. And may he achieve those particular aims of humility and integrity and be an example to others as he does that. And Lord, in our lives, may we also, in our humility and in our integrity, copy you, imitate you, live in you as your spirit does your work in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the London School of Theology podcast. To find out more about LSD and our courses, please visit our website.